of getting Amber and Blue to try and work on Twitter shitty spaces. Um, as you can tell by the sound of my voice, I am currently being mentally drained from trying to work out why this isn't working and why it's so crap. The good thing is I can see people again now. I make it sound like I've been blind. Um, so I'm hoping now it's going to uh, work and we can all have a good old chat about Mansfield Town. I have sent some invitations out for people to speak. If you can hear me, anyone, just please tell me you're listening out there. Richard, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, thank God. We're going to have to start this at quarter to seven in future. <laughs> mate, mate, honestly, yeah, you're not even joking. On it, what part of shit this is? Honestly, it's just been a nightmare tonight. Um, Adrian's in, you're in. Lucas, I've sent you a request. I don't know if you can hear it or whatever. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's get started. I mean, it's only 15 minutes later than planned, but hey, let's do it. Um, welcome to Amber and Blue. All that jazz. Richard, what did you think of the game? Sunday. <laughs> Saturday. Saturday. Saturday, um, yeah, it was, it was all right. Saturday, um, like I think we said last week, we're at that stage now where it's not really about performance, it's just about getting the result. And I think <clears throat> Saturday's performance was that's that's what Saturday's performance was. You know, it was more of a defensive performance. I thought the back four and Christy Pym were, were all excellent, um. And yeah, we, we got the goal, and we didn't really. I think Jamie Reed had that shot that Christy Pym saved, but apart from that, Pym didn't really have that much to do. So, I think it was a good grinding performance, and, and we got what we needed to get. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that, mate. It was genuinely a hard fought game. I thought, you know what? I thought everyone was absolutely excellent um, at what they did uh, Saturday. Um, thought the crowd were fantastic. Um, it was nice to give Steve Evans a bit of jip and, um, yeah, just basically just ruin his Saturday. Um, quite enjoyed it, really. So, yeah, Lucas, what did uh, what did you think of the game on Saturday? Yeah, very good performance, very good defensively. Um, same as Richard said, just we got, got the points and did what we needed to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, was there any stand-up performers... From that game for you? Kilgore, for me, he just got his head on everything. He was just first to everything. He just commanded the back four. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with that as well. Um, he, he just completely bossed the defence and everything like that. Um, he, yeah, he was he was superb. Um Rich, I know you're co-hosting, mate. Harry's requested to speak and Twitter's not letting me do it. We just have a check your end and see if it'll let you do it. Um, yeah, I think, I think I've done it. Imagine. Uh, Adrian, what did you think of the game, mate? I think I echo what the three of you have said so far uh, about the game on Saturday. Resolute defensively, um, covered chance away, even though it was it was quite lucky. Um, but, I mean, nevertheless, every goal counts um, and we got that 1-0 win over the line. Uh, like you said, the back line did very well. Christy Pym, Kilgore 
I'd even put James Perchin there. I think it was one of his best games uh, in a stag shirt. I think the whole defence, they didn't put a foot wrong and and we got that 1-0 over the line, got the three points and, and a valuable clean sheet. gone again. I don't know if Russ has gone or if connection <laughs> dropped again. Richard, now's your time. Now's my time. Right, hands up who wants Russ out. <laughs> Take over, Rich. Come on. <laughs> right. Um, does anybody else want to speak about Saturday performance? Go on, Lucas. No, no I was oh, hands right. up for Russ out. All oh, right, I saw, saw the hand raised. I thought you were speaking. <laughs> is, is yeah, right? cheers for that, mate. Honestly, right? I think it's I think it's my internet tonight. So I've literally told Edward, don't put the Xbox on because it's screwing up the internet. So he puts the Xbox on, screws up my internet. So at least I know what it is. Um, so cheers, cheers. What's he, what's he doing on X? What's he doing on Xbox? You should be listening. I know. Well, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's got face on now. Stuff. So it off, so, yeah, <laughs> the joys of kids. So, anyway, where were we before I rudely got kicked out? Well, we're still talking about Saturday. If anybody else wants to bring anything yeah. up. Ari, Ari, I missed yours, yeah. mate. Um, did you enjoy the game? I, 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 I loved the game. I loved it. I thought it was an absolute shit-ass performance against the shit-ass manager. It was perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, it... You know, I, I really dislike Steve Evans uh, massively. And I... Can I just touch on it quickly? Because I, I can see him in the chat. Um, lower league look, the reason why we don't like Steve Evans is because we were 11 games off promotion and the guy told us he were off to China and he went to Peterborough. Russ were too hammered to tell you on a <laughs> Sunday. So, there you go. That's why we don't like him. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. I've explained to him why we dislike him so much and all this, but I think the obsession he has with Mansfield as well, it was like after the game when he lost, oh, I'm the best manager statistically since Ian Greaves and all that. Yeah, but Ian Greaves actually achieved something. He didn't walk away or run away to a job in China. He actually achieved something at Mansfield. I think the thing that annoyed us more was we didn't go up. Peterborough didn't go up. He, he, we both dropped out the playoffs. And it was more to the fact where he's, he's... And Swindon were going for the playoffs as well. It was more to the fact he ruined three clubs' chances of promotion in one season. Just by his one move, he ruined three clubs' chance of promotion. Yeah. And and also the the obsession with telling everyone that, you know, he's he's good friends with like Carolyn and John and they text each other and all that. Now, I we all know that Steve Evans talks a lot of bollocks. We, we all know he does. The fact is, is he telling the truth? Is he not? He said again the other day that oh, no. they texted him after the game. None of us know whether this is true or not. Look, I can see it being true because work is work and our work is our work. What you've got to realise is it is still a job. And there's people who I don't like at work, but then outside of work, I go and get smashed with them because they're already outside of work, but they're just knobs in work. And it's like, 
Steve Evans to probably Carolyn and John is a wanker at work because he left them. You don't forget about all the good times they probably had before that and had a good laugh and all had a few beers. So they probably are still mates and they probably are. But for me, if it were anything to do with Mansfield, I'd, have, I'd fucking never speak to that bloke again. No, I'd agree with that. I would probably not give him the time of day with how much money John and Carolyn invested in that team. And yeah, okay, sometimes the players have got to take responsibility for it. But then sometimes you've just got to look at that, you know, it, it massively, him with all the shit to do with China and stuff like that, it massively derailed our system. But but genuinely, it's just it's just nice to get one up over on him. I know I know he's took Stevenage more or less up now, but realistically, it was just nice to the fact that he's not come back to us and took three points. Uh, All I've got to say is, fair enough for taking him up. You've, he's done a good job. He is a good manager. I hate him with a passion, but he's a good manager. You don't get wins at Villa Park with pretty much a half-decent Villa team out and you can, with a League 2 team. I, you, you can't deny he is a good manager. He's set his team out. He knew what players he wanted to buy in the summer and he set, he got his players and they might not be the best players in the world, but he got his team together and that's probably why they are going up and you've you've got to say fair enough for getting a team like Stevenage up who are near the relegation zone or have been near the relegation zone for many seasons. So, fair enough to him. Good luck to him and I hope they come straight back down and yeah. he's sacked by Christmas. I, I, I genuinely think that I think if if he gets a better offer, would he want to stay at Stevenage in League One, or would he would he look at jumping ship? I think that's the thing with Evans. I don't think I don't think he will get an offer. I think people have the people who's gave him a shot, like your Peterborough, who is a bigger team, and your Rotherhams. They've seen his characteristics on sidelines, and they probably can't be bothered with it. They can't be bothered with the chats with the FA and all of this. So. I think it's just, he's going to probably stick at Stevenage and then, God knows, probably go d- down to a National League side once he gets out of that job. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens after, you know, his time's done at Stevenage as well. Welcome, Jay. Um, what are your thoughts on the Stevenage game? Um, Stevenage game was quite good. We played some good football here and there, unlike um, Leighton Orient. But, Overall, I think we were good. It was nice to beat Steve Evans. But, yeah, we were good. No much to say. Yeah, and, and I think that, that pretty much sums it up. Um, I, do, I do think that, you know, we did hang on for the last 20 minutes. I think we got a bit we got a bit peppered. Um, uh, but we defended resolutely. There were bodies on the line. And it, it was it was a fantastic three points for us was a really, really good three points. So, I think that is pretty much the Stevenage game boxed off. Um, so, we're going to we're going to move on to la- last night. And do we have to? Yeah, yeah, we've we've got to, haven't we? You know, we can't we can't just we can't just talk about us beating teams like Stevenage and then last night. I mean. Rich, I'll let, I'll let you go. Take it away, mate. What What do you think? I've got, feel, I've got a feeling this segment maybe lasts a bit longer than the Stevenage one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think from the start, I don't know. I, I think 
obviously we we gave him the the guard of honor and everything. And I think just the first ten minutes of the game, I think I don't know if we showed him a bit too much respect or we just we just didn't really get going. And it just, the the whole game just felt a bit strange for me. And then obviously we got the goal, and you're thinking, right, if we can replicate the sort of performance that we we had at Stevenage, and we can, you know, get men behind the ball, defend it. I mean, at this stage of the season, if you go one 0 up, and we then spend the next 90 minutes booting cars into Jim Carpark. I don't think anybody would be bothered as long as it meant us getting the three points at the end. But <clears throat> I don't know, there was individual errors, the officials. The, the first goal, there was a lot around me said he was offside. But at the time, I thought James Perch was playing him on and that obviously was the case. The second goal, a lot of them were saying he was offside again. I've seen one still image which, if anyone's playing him on side, it's Hewitt at left back. Um, but it is it is tight again. But the problem is, the officials have got to be guessing because they're all well. The linesman's got to be guessing because every time he was five, ten yards behind play, and it was the same in the second half when we were attacking that way, just to be balanced. There were several times we went through and we're a couple of yards offside, and he's either in wrong position and not giving it or he was getting that much sticky dent for his flag up but I think once we lost Hewitt at left back I think the whole balance just went wrong Callum Johnson moved across he then switched it and Perch went across and I think we missed not having a natural left footer down that at, at full bank Yeah Yeah definitely and I, I just want to there's one thing I forgot to mention for the Stevenage game, so I'm just going to pull it back a bit. Danny Roche should have been sent off at the start of that game. Elliot Hewitt's not a player that just goes down easy. He got a clear, I think it was a hand or an elbow to the face, um, not even attempting to go in for the ball, and it obviously got missed. And it seems to be sometimes that things happen, and not just at Mansfield, but genuinely, things happen straight in front of linesmen, and they tend like they don't really want to get involved. And it's that, happened a fair bit this that season. Was, that was the same last night. One of their players went straight through at back of Reese O's. And that, the linesman was stood three yards away from him and, and didn't even flag for a foul. I think... Um, I th- I'm, I'm not... I, I think every club in the EFL, and this is included in Championship, League One, League Two, and I'm going to bring up National League. Oh, fucking hate Wrexham already, uh, by the way. Um, but the incompetence of... All of these officials, I really don't know how the English game's going to carry on because some of these do not deserve a job because they are fucking useless. I mean, that goal the other week for Rochdale where it didn't even go two yards close to the line and it's been given a goal and it really does show what Richard has said, whereas the Linos don't even want to get involved because surely, unless the Lino was Stevie Wonder, he does not give that goal. I mean, yeah. even Stevie Wonder would have got that as off. Uh, there's not crossing line, and that's saying something. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's worrying. been an odd season with officials, and I don't, I don't think that it's just us that suffered. I think other teams have as well. I think if you were to go on every space of every League Two team, they would all have a gripe about a referee. I bloody hate Bradford. I hate Andy Cook, but I think lower league look will tell you himself. I think Bradford have had a few shitty decisions against them. Um, I don't know if there's any other opposite fans in here, 
but a lot of teams have had a lot of shite decisions given against them. And I can't even tell you one good referee we've actually had this season. And I'm genuinely being serious. And I think that's across the board in the EFL. Yeah, I'd probably agree. We've had we've had some dubious decisions given against us, and we've, had, we've had some given, given to for us. us as well. like, yeah, we have. We we have both both ways, and it's kind of like a swings and roundabout thing. Um, but like genuinely, we could sit here all night. Uh, Lucas, you've got your hand up, mate. Come on in. I I do think this is going to sound a bit daft, but. I do think sometimes the decisions of linesmen and referees is very heavily influenced by crowds because it's sometimes the linesmen and referee they'll look look at each other and if the fans and players really appeal it they seem to give it and it seems daft but I do really think they get influenced a lot by fans appealing it can I just yeah, say, definitely. It was um, definitely yeah. not a sending off. Definitely not a sending off for them last night. No, I, I, I thought he won the ball as well. But, you know, lower league look, I'm going to bring you in on the subject of referees and see what your thoughts are. Ah, good evening. How are we all doing? You finally, you, you finally worked out how to do Twitter spaces, you? I've, I've finally worked out that to get it to work, <laughs> all I had to do is turn off his Xbox. Ah, uh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So right. he, he's sat now with he's Facebook. To his Wi-Fi I bet Edward yeah. is absolutely fuming. <laughs> oh, oh, mate. Honestly, I'm on like the best internet package going, and like I said to Edward, just turn off Xbox. It worked. Then he turned it back on, and that's when I went missing again. So we clearly know what the problem is. So is, now he's is sat Xbox at the wired or on Wi-Fi? On Wi-Fi. Put it on wired. Get it wired, and you won't have a problem. Yeah. So he's currently now sat at dinner table with face on drawing pictures. <laughs> Just so on the on the referees thing, like we we've all had shit referees this season, but that's we're in League Two. We're gonna get them. Like if we if they were shit, they wouldn't be in League Two. They'd be higher. But my my gripe with this is we've got to call it out regardless of whether we win or not. So like last night. The second you guys lost, we like, I knew instantly that there was blame coming for the referee. Same with Swindon last night. But if you guys had won, even if the referee had put the same performance in, there wouldn't have been the outcry. And I think that's why that's why nothing gets fixed and nothing changes because it just looks like sour grapes. It just looks like being a bad loser. Like I've been saying on our spaces for a while, if you win, fantastic. But if the referee has had a shocker, still call it out doesn't matter whether you've got the three points or not. He's still had a shit game. So, like, even if the even if the decisions have been in your favour, there's no shame in calling him out and saying, you know what, we got really lucky there. He's had a terrible game. And I think that's why nothing seems to be changing because the only people that are calling the referees out are the ones that lose. Um, the, the, I went through, I've been going at it with Swindon fans and I've been through... 12 times out of their 16 games they've lost this season, Swindon fans have claimed to have seen the worst refereeing display of their lives. It's like, that's that's impossible. There's no way that that's happening. But when they've been winning, like they, they, won, they drew against us in the last minute, they got the most ridiculous handball and penalty in the last minute that I've seen all season. None of them cared. You know, we've got to be yeah. consistent. If it's shit, it's shit. Don't matter if you win or lose. If the referee's been shit, it's been shit. I do agree, and but then also, 
you look at Neil Harris when he played against Dulot on uh, Saturday. Why he called. He called them up. He called them up. He called them out as well. Yeah. He did say the officials were shy. Yeah, yeah. And I think did Mark Hughes? I didn't. I don't. To be honest, I don't. I, I blocked the Bradford page because I can't be asked with them. Um, no offense. Um, you know, I'm the same. Don't worry. I don't. I don't really interact much with them. But, <laughs> Mark Hughes, I didn't see his match interview, but I imagine he'd have called it out, knowing what Mark Hughes is like. Well, I mean, look, I'll tell you what I I said. I were in a re- I'm in a really fortunate position. I was down next to the tunnel when everyone came off the pitch, and you know there were Bradford staff in the tunnel waiting for the referee. And as the referee approached, you heard the shout of "Where did you get eight minutes from?" And the referee put his hands up and went, "I know, I know." So he essentially said. <laughs> I don't know where I got it from. He was holding his hands up. Um, yeah, but my issue with, with Hughes is Hughes calls out referees. Again, when we lose, he calls out the referees a lot, but it, it doesn't, it, for me, it's just taking, it's just taking the focus away from the fact that, you know, we've maybe not played very well at times. Uh, I, I just also, you did say about it's League 2, they wouldn't be going further, but you see it during the whole EF, EFL. I mean, you see it with um, Burnley game last night, how that's not given a penalty um, for Blackburn and stuff like that. And that's the top end in a local rivalry. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just a massive incompetence from the the top end at Championship all the way down to Rochdale. It, it, it really does worry you about the future because there's no way we can carry on with refs like this. I mean, I suppose it's that argument of... Would you want to be a referee? Because I certainly wouldn't. Like you, you, the, the pressure is getting worse and worse and worse. And you know, you make the even if it's not not genuinely a mistake. If you've got the decision right, but the, it's against a certain team, they will get on your back. And like, I, I wouldn't want to be a referee. It's a part time job, especially at this level. The abuse and the you know the stuff that's shouted at them is it's. It's awful at times, and like it's like Darren Drysdale. Darren Drysdale, from a Bradford perspective, gets so much abuse from Bradford fans the second he's announced as a referee. But genuinely, having met the guy, he's a really nice guy. But I, I wouldn't be able to put up with the abuse that they get. And I think, you know, if you're getting on, like someone said about them being influenced by crowds, I, I, I agree and I disagree because. A lot of the decisions that have gone against us that shouldn't this season have happened at home, and we've got the biggest fans in the biggest fan number in the league, so we're not influencing positively anyway. Um, you know, there's a lot of decisions that have gone against us that shouldn't, but it is what it is, and I, I do think over the course of a season, it's not right, but they even out, don't they? Like you'll you. Last night, you've got gripes about referees' decisions, but I think if you're honest with yourselves, there'll be games that you've won this season and decisions you've got this season that you maybe shouldn't have. Um, they, they, they are shit for everyone. I don't think any, no one has a worse set of refereeing decisions against them than anyone else. We all get it, and you know it's just another thing to blame when we don't win. <laughs> I, think, I think I think naturally for for any football fan, when you lose a game and you know you've been done by a decision, it sticks in your mind more than. If you win a game, but you've been on the benefit of a decision because you go away buzzing because you've won the game, you don't bother how you won it, but you know you've won it. Whereas if you've lost it and you know that a goal was offside or it wasn't a penalty or it wasn't a foul or it wasn't a red card, it sticks in your mind more because you think if that hadn't have happened, we might have gone on and, and got something. But for the record, I don't think the referees cost us the game yesterday. It wasn't great, 
but our, our performance was worse than the oh, referees, yeah. arguably. So the referees hasn't cost us games. But I think the other worrying thing, unless it's just my eyes, a lot of the referees all look older. There's not many. You don't see many young ones coming through and you think, oh, he looks a good ref or he's had a decent game that then seem to get promoted. We always League two just seems to be full of all the refs that have either can't get any higher because they're not good enough, but the maybe is slightly better than national league level or or whatever. But like I said, referees, it is, it is. I wouldn't, you wouldn't want to do it, but at the same time, they've chosen to do it. So if you're going to choose to do something and put your effort into doing it, you've got to sort of have a a standard. You've got to be fit enough. You've got to keep up with play. You know, everyone makes mistakes. We get that. But some of the mistakes across the league that we've seen, I mean, even as far as that, I can't remember who Newport were playing, but the goalkeeper handballed it outside box. And it was the most obvious thing. And you get him a yellow card because he got mixed up with lines. I mean, that's the biggest load of bollocks I've ever heard. I I disagree one million percent. Like that, that was, yeah, it was against Bradford, but genuinely, but, but, it was as, as a goalkeeper, you know how big your area is, right? But, but Russell, you you know me, and you if it's a Bradford decision, you know full well that I will call out a bullshit decision that Bradford have got. Like I'm I'm the most pessimistic of Bradford fans going, and I'll say when things are wrong. But with that, those lines shouldn't be there, and even the. Newport commentators at the time said because of the rain, they'd only been freshly painted green before the game because they'd had a rugby game before. They'd only been freshly painted green and the, the commentator said the lines are getting whiter as it rains because it's coming off. Like it doesn't, it, it, regardless, you, you, you use your, it's your peripheral vision. You know, you're not, you don't look down at the lines, you see them out of the corner of your eyes and he's, that's all he's done. It's a genuine mistake and I do think that the referee called it right there. It wasn't a goal scoring opportunity. So regardless, even if he'd done it on purpose, it isn't a red card at that point because there was no goal-scoring opportunity. It, we, we pulled all the rules up because it was a big thing. It's only a red card if it denies a goal-scoring opportunity or if there, I think there was another reason that it could be a red card, but it didn't tick any of them. The, the yellow card was the right decision. It was the most the referee's supposed to give in that. But I'll die on that hill that he didn't mean to do that and it was a genuine mistake. And I think the referee used his common sense and we would all in that situation be saying the same thing if it's our team that's done it. See, but... Get Mez on phone, get him to pay some white lines. I know. Six that's, yards out of front penalty area. That's what I'm thinking. If anyone's free tonight, I'm off to Phil Mill to paint some yellow lines. So, I think, yeah. I think yeah. also one thing that's pissing me off is uh, the time wasting from goalkeepers. Oh, and I'm not saying it just from last night. But there was something I saw the other day where in the Premier League, Gavin Bazunu uh, for Southampton, and I know it's going off topic because it's going into Premier League, spent 23 minutes uh, with the ball out of play, time-wasting, drawing across the whole match, and he didn't get a single booking. Yeah, and I noticed that last night. It was, again, their goalkeeper. You know, I'm I'm not knocking on because we've done it as well. But but genuinely, their goalkeeper, it felt like he'd, he'd gone to the toilet, he'd had a fag, he'd read the morning newspaper before he'd even took a goal kick. And I think that he, even the referee called him three times for it, but how many times does it have to happen before you and, get a book in? And just to and, make it more balanced, so we're not being biased, Pim should have got booked on Saturday because he was time-wasting as well. He was too busy having a, having a go at Stevenage fans. So... It, it it like someone did say it does swing in roundabouts with decisions and it 
it, there's no consistency in refereeing and consistency in decisions. And it really does make you question, does every ref in the Football League actually know the bloody rule book? I think that I think the, the, the goalkeeping time wasting will continue until referees start making ex- examples of someone. I mean, as soon as I mean, fair play to Leighton Orient, they were playing as if their lives depended on it yesterday. I mean, they're already promoted, they can't finish any lower, the champions. But as soon as they went two one up, the goalkeeper started time wasting. So how do you have booked him either just before half time or just after half time for time wasting? And then he'd have continued to do it and he'd have shown him a second yellow in the second half like later in the second half, for persistent time-wasting and sent him off. Until they start doing that, and that's across all goalkeepers, not just the one that was last night, then goalkeepers are always going to take liberties because they know that there's a good chance that they're not going to get booked twice for doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd agree with that. I mean, I mean, lower league, look, you've got your hand up on this as well, but a genuine question, and this will probably take some like research, when was the last time a goalkeeper was sent off for a second bookable for time wasting? That's what I was just going to come in and say. I, as far as I'm aware, and I like I know someone who was a referee and who works for the FA quite high up. I don't believe there is a set rule, and I think that that's why referees don't tend to do it until it gets to a ridiculous point because. I don't feel like anyone knows when the right time is to do it. It's the same as, you know, a few weeks ago, Swindon against Stockport. They had, um, I think it was Wakeling or Jeff Cott sent off after 46 seconds and gave away a penalty. And they were saying, you know, penalty is the right, right decision, but, you know, you shouldn't be given a red card at that point in the game. Well, we'll know, you know, the, 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 the foul is a red card foul. It doesn't matter what minute it's in. And I think that's, Timing of the game always influences decisions. I've found like certain things that happen. You think if that had have happened, you know, if that had have happened twenty minutes later, closer to the end, then there'd have been a different decision. It's the same with the the old thing of and like you guys all know what I'm talking about when someone goes down in the box and the referee gives nothing, and everyone goes, if that had been outside the box, he'd have given it. Well, he should have given it because it's a foul. Doesn't matter where it is, it is still a foul. The thing is on on consistency. We do have consistency. The issue is it's consistently shit. Um, all the referees <laughs> do it. Like, consistency is consistency. Like you, you said, it swings and roundabouts. Every team's going through it. So we have kind of got consistency. We need them to understand that we need better consistency, not just consistency for the sake of it. But yeah, the, I don't believe there's a set rule about booking. For time wasting, I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's like a discretionary thing, and and again, I think refs don't want to get the fans on their backs early on, especially. Yeah. I mean, without, without getting without getting too technical, but the, like there is there is rules in terms of when a goalkeeper catches it in his hands, how long he's got? Is it twelve seconds or something? He's got he can hold the ball for before he has to release it. So six then, seconds. six seconds. Yeah, seconds. So then, what is the rule if he holds onto it longer than that? Is that a free kick or, or, or what like there's, there is obviously there's got to be a rule in there somewhere because I mean obviously going off last night because it was, it was more recent he was catching it in his hands and I could have completed London Marathon quicker than he uh, released ball half the time so there obviously is a rule there where he's he's, he's taking longer than the, the permitted time that he's got so then there must be like a, a sort of punishment or a regulation or something once he gets past that time I'll have a look while you guys talk. You guys, I'll, I'll have a look at what the rule is and see yeah, what. True. what but um, yeah, genuinely, and and the other you thing going on the refs and 
all the rest of that. When they when Cluffy had his well, Nigel, I'll get moaned out for calling Cluffy. Um, when they were, had the annual, you know, the um, meet the players and you have a chat with them and all that, I'm sure it was either him or when Andy Garner did it, Andy Garner, somebody brought up referees and can we not do anything because they, they've been so shit? Um, and he said, and I'm sure I'm right on this, Asbo, because you were there, they said that after every game they have to fill in a report that rates the referee but then if they rate the referee below a certain number, they have to write a detailed report yeah, well, of that... why you so shit. And basically what they said is they just can't be asked to write it. Yeah, but that, they always give them just above. I mean, there's probably people listening or whatever that runs kids' teams or whatever. I've, I've got two Sunday League sides, which, you know, after every week you have to you have to give the referee a score. And essentially that score is what gets them promoted. So you score them out of 100, I think it's like, overall control of the game, decision-making and major decision-making. Um, and it's like a score 0-30, to 0-40 and 0-30 or, or something like that. And you rate them like that. If it's below 60, well, it is for us anyway. If I score in below 60, I have to write a letter to the FA. But I think the problem with the likes of Mansfield and that is they're probably scoring in below 60, writing a letter and saying, this is why we've scored him less than 60 because he was shit. And the FA's probably just got a draft letter that they just insert to Mansfield Town and then print it off like they do to any other team that says, you know, apologies that the referee ruined the game, we'll strive to do a better, blah, blah, blah. And it's it's just sort of a generic letter and, and nothing change, nothing will change. So I think that's to the point where when Andy Garner is saying that they're wasting the time because they've probably had the same letter every time they've they've scored a referee a low mark. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably right. Um, obviously, Liam's done his digging on Google and he's got his hand up, so we await your news. <laughs> um, so, yeah, apparently there, there's no caution on the six-second rule. It is purely the referee telling him to hurry up. There, there's no... On the rule itself, There is there's nothing that says that they for, for time-wasting by the looks of things, that yellow cards are the, are the outcome. It's referee's discretion. Great, um, and... So that goes back so to why you don't the referee can book him if he wants to, but it's not like a law. Yeah, there's no law. The referee can book anyone for anything that they like, but what they've got to do is justify it. And these are them reports that you're talking about. They've got to then justify why they've booked him. And if that referee doesn't feel that the justification is going to be enough to, to basically pass his report, um, and again, like most games, there's a referee's assessor that's watching. He'll know who that referee's assessor is and he'll know what that referee's assessor is like. And that referee the assessor is usually like an ex-player. It's an ex, uh, ex-referee. It can be an ex-manager. It can be an agent. But if that referee's assessor is going to pull him up for booking someone for it, he won't do it. Like, they've got to justify it. And that's, again, it's, it's, it's all about discretion of referees. And they've got a lot more power than I think we, we sort of give them credit to. But I do feel that when fans turn, it's... It doesn't help in any way. Like we did it the other week with Darren Drysdale, and all game they just battered him with abuse. And towards the end, he stood, he looked at the Bradford fans while the ball was out of play, and he just smiled at them. And the the atmosphere just changed, and people are calling for him to be removed. And it's like, well, 
you've called him every name under the sun for 75 minutes. I think you run, the, it, you run the risk of it going one of two ways. If you start abusing referees, he's going to even yeah. start giving every decision for you or every decision against you. There's probably not much of an in-between. It just depends what they're made, like, what, what they're made of, really. And, that, and that's the, the thing The thing with it is, uh, like, so, I, and I, know, I know this is a Mansfield space, but I'm using Bradford as an example because Mark Hughes is key for it. And our fans are. So... <sighs> Crawley the other week, we should have had a penalty in the 92nd minute. Andy Cook got clattered um, 92nd minute from behind. It should have been a red card. It should have been a penalty. Or maybe a free kick. We don't know if it was in or out, but either way, it's a red card. That was the reason we didn't win, apparently. But it's the 92nd minute against the 22nd worst team in the league. The reason we didn't win is because we didn't do anything for 91 minutes prior. These tiny little decisions don't impact the game as a whole they impact that tiny little window and that's I feel like we, we use them as excuses so often that it's just become kind of second nature to do and it's you know we, we I feel sorry for referees I wouldn't want to be a referee I really wouldn't because I, I, I just think if I were a referee I'd turn around and just tell the fans to fuck off like I can't think of a worse than just standing there and having abuse thrown at me but we we do all clubs need to, if we're going to complain about referees, we've got to be consistent. We're talking about referees being consistent. We're not consistent as fans. If you'd have won last night, you wouldn't be talking about the referee right now. You'd be talking about how good you were and then you'd be talking about this upcoming game and how it's kept your playoff dream alive. But the fact is, because you lost and because there were some refereeing decisions you didn't agree with, we're talking about them. And that's consistency's got to be across the board. I'm more than happy to call referees out when we get decisions we shouldn't and we get a lot of them. We also get a lot that we sh- that should be for us that go against us. If you all start calling out when things go against you and when things go for you, then I feel like the conversation holds more water and I feel like the the EFL will take notice. If they look and they see Mansfield have lost and everyone's complaining about the referee, it's just sour grapes. If they see Mansfield have won and everyone's complaining about the referee, they go, well, hang on a second, they should be happy. But when they see that people aren't happy because it shouldn't happen and it's not fair, that's when I think they'll start taking notice. But as it stands right now, no one cares at the EFL about the refereeing decisions because the only ones that are complaining are those that aren't getting them and when they lose. Yeah. And and do you know what? You, you, you're right in saying that and, you, and you're right. And we'd, we'd have probably touched on it a little bit tonight about the ref, but we wouldn't have had this in-depth chat. Um but but it's it's again it's interesting that you know that there is a lot of and there is a lot of poor refs at League Two level, and I can guarantee you now the AFL's not interested. When Wrexham come up next season and you've got some Hollywood star tweeting saying how shit refs are, it'd be interesting to see if they interesting to see if they take the same stance or if they pay a little bit more interest in it. Because, like, while we're talking about, you know, this shit little Welsh club, let's get one thing out of the way. Sky aren't interested in League Two. The only reason they want the rights is for the playoffs and the final. They aren't interested. I can guarantee you now, next season, the one game they will show will be Salford versus Wrexham. I think think we'll see Wrexham nearly every single week. I, I, I think we will see Wrexham 10 to 15 times minimum next season. It's it's just that the sky coverage of football is is it's it's so shit it's unreal and then the AFL have decided to go back in with them it just it doesn't make sense and it doesn't help teams like Mansfield 
and it doesn't help a lot of other teams in the league that want exposure. Yeah, they prob- each team probably gets a little bit more money from the Sky deal, but what teams want is exposure. You know, you, you turn on Sky and you see Liverpool every week um, and people like that, they're getting exposure, they're getting fans. If people could see like the likes of Mansfield, um, you you know, let's say, let's say a few of us. Um, I don't know. Stop well, Paul, imagine, imagine if they put that Mansfield Bradford game on. Imagine if that had been on Sky. A last minute equaliser. That is that is what football's all about. It's about teams fighting until the very end. And a last minute equaliser against one of your playoff rivals. That is huge. That is so much better than watching. You know, let's let's be absolutely honest. I don't want to watch Hull versus West Brom. I don't think many people do outside of those two fan bases. And I think more people would be interested in the lower leagues, like the, the actual lower leagues, and seeing that really the competitiveness, I believe, down here, and this is why we started the lower league. Look, the competitiveness in League Two is better than any other league. Last season, I hand on heart believe that League Two was the most competitive league in the country. It's not as competitive this year, but it's still up there. Just because the quality isn't as good doesn't mean the competitiveness isn't, and that's what they need to see. They need to understand it's about the competition and what it means to people. Because yeah. without us, they die. They they die at the top without us. It's that simple. They 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 rape and pillage our teams for every single bit of youth that we have that shows any promise. Without us, there ain't a Premier League. Yeah, and I'd agree with that. And I think the thing is, you're right. There is there is a lot of people out there that would would like to watch lower league football and like you can go around now and talk to people that watch Sky every week they will not tell you that literally there's still a good fair few teams that can go into the playoffs and there's still a few that could drop out but if you don't follow League Two a team in League Two then realistically you're not going to know that because it's not promoted because all they want you to believe is. Man City Arsenal tonight is the biggest game on earth. Well, it's not. It's two rich shit teams playing each other in a league where money dominates. Whereas down in League Two, you know, this weekend, this weekend's fixtures are massive, especially for us. We've got Harrogate at home, who we've never won. Played them five times, brew once, lost four. It's massive for us, but everyone else around us are all playing each other again. Six, six of the top seven are playing each other this weekend. Yeah, it's, it's massive. But yeah, yeah. By the way, your your uh, your record against Harrogate was exactly the same as ours before this season started. We we had lost every single time. Um, they're a horrible team to play. But you're right. Like this, they, they are literally showing games between teams that don't really have anything to play for, and yeah. there are teams in this league that do. Yeah, and and you're right, and that is the issue. I mean, um, and I'll bring you guys into it now. Uh, Rich, what what do you think about Sky's coverage of League Two? Well, there isn't any apart until uh, in about a fortnight's time when uh, when playoff final semi finals start. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think the problem is the EFL, the EFL sell the rights to Sky to cover the whole EFL. So obviously that includes the Championship, which they do have one or two games on a week. And I know like if there's midweek games, they're all on Sky behind the red button, but that's just the championship. So unless they can create a deal where Sky keep the championship, which they seem to like showing games of, 
and I don't know. There's plenty of streaming services out there for League One and League Two. You know, Netflix, Prime Video, what, whatever. I, I don't know how it would work. Even if clubs were allowed, obviously there's a three pm blackout. Even if clubs were just allowed to film games, no matter what what day of the week they're on, what time they kick off, and and charge a tenner as they do. Would that be more beneficial to clubs than the money that they get currently for Sky? Because let's face it, what clubs are now getting between the Sky split is probably pennies rather than a, a, a mass amount. So would it work better for each club? But then I think we had this discussion at the fans forum. Is there a chance then that if every game is available on iFollow and it's 20 quid a ticket or you can watch it for a tenner, is it then going to stop people going to the game so then you've got that side to look at it. but in terms of Sky that they may as well there's no point in having League 1 and, and League 2 League 1's probably in the same boat to a lesser degree because there's often League 1 games on but let's face it when it's a League 1 game that's on it's between two sides that could or probably should be in the Championship not not in League 1 just, yeah. just on that but can I just sorry coming on that there's a couple of points I don't think it would impact attendances like they believe because they, they, we are the only country that now stick to the 3pm blackout. Every other country's dropped it. And their attendances haven't dropped. Germany's attendances haven't dropped. When you go when you look down like leagues, their, their second, third and fourth division, their attendances have stayed the same because people want to go for that experience. This is where it's down to clubs to do more because it isn't enough anymore. Because look, let's be honest, if we want to watch our games at 3pm on a Saturday on TV, we'll watch our games at 3pm on a Saturday on TV because it's possible. There are ways to do it. We all know how to do it. Everyone has those options to do it. Clubs need to do more to make the make the experience of a match day better. Across the board, they all do. But a point on what we're saying there about games that are pointless being shown, this Saturday, do you know what this Saturday's 12.30 kickoff is live on TV? Well, it's BT, Premier League, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's BT this week, but it's the same point because it's Premier League would do the same. It's Crystal Palace versus West Ham. A team sat 12th playing a team sat 13th. Neither team has anything to play for. And then you've got, like you say, six teams in the top seven of League Two playing each other. Any of those games will be better shown. Yeah, and, and that's it. Into but, it. I mean, BT's, BT's even got the rights for National League. Don't they show two yeah. National League games a week? Or, or so, yeah. BT, as, as a rule, um, and I found this out because we did some work with Oldham this season, BT, as a rule, within the first three months of the season, they have to have shown every single National League side at least once. That's, a, that's as part of the contract. That's what we need. We need that every team gets at least one game every half so two games a season one in the first half one in the second that needs to be negotiated but they just don't do it because they don't care about these teams that are down here we are unfortunately we are forgotten um, but until our team starts standing up and saying no I'm sorry we're not accepting this anymore we're not going to change yeah and and, and that's it isn't it um, and, and going back to that I've just had quite an interesting fact sent over to me Mansfield were shown on TV more when we were in non-league 10 years ago than we have in our entire 10 years now of being in League 2. But that, I mean, that's an amazing stat, really. I think so, if you take away our cup runs as Bradford back in like over the last 10 years or so, 
I, I would say that you guys were shown more in one season of the National League than we have. Like we uh, we don't get shown. Like it's it's when we went on our cup runs, we still didn't get shown. It was we went to Chelsea away. We weren't the game that was shown. Like it, we played Sunderland at home after knocking Chelsea out. We still weren't picked for TV. Um, but again, you know, because they'd rather put Man United versus Man City on in the fourth round of the FA Cup. It, yeah, it's 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 embarrassing. There should be there should be an option. There should be packages. You should be able to pay an annual subscription to League Two football, an annual subscription to League One, or an annual subscription to all of them, where you get online streaming available. Because I, I like watching other games. It's part of what we do. I sat last night and watched you guys versus Leighton Orient. We all know how I watched it. I didn't. I didn't pay for it because. I'll be honest, I can't afford to pay £10 to watch every team. But I watched it and, you know, I got slated when I said that that wasn't a red card. But <laughs> apparently everyone's come around to that now. So I kind of feel a bit vindicated. But yeah, like I like watching League Two football. And without the ability to do that with the way I do it, I wouldn't know anything about your teams. I wouldn't know what you guys are like. You know, if a Man United fan knows exactly what Man City are like because they get to watch them all the time. Everyone in the Premier League knows everyone, but we don't know each other. Like if if we didn't have those, let's be honest, these underhand ways of watching each other play, we wouldn't have a clue what to expect. It's it's bizarre that they that they think that that's the right way forward. But Russell, you made a point in my inbox earlier. We've got a, a big interview coming up with Jeff Stelling. I'm going to ask him that question. What does he What does he think as someone who's connected to a lower league club? What does he think about the coverage of the lower leagues? Let's see if we can get someone from the inside to actually maybe start the ball rolling. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I mean, I think that'd be good, and I think everyone in here would agree that the coverage is absolutely shit. It's shocking, and it's not fit for purpose. Though the thing is, if so, let's say somebody came out and brought it and wanted to change like our fixtures, so let's say, so and I'll I'll ask you guys this. So if if somebody came and brought League Two and put games on on a Friday night and maybe a Wednesday, would that affect you going to games? Would you still go to away matches on a Friday night, Richard? Uh, yeah, I would still go on a Friday night. I think we've had we've had this at the fans forum, didn't we? But um, because they wanted to move more games to a Friday night, but like I say, it's, tra- it's travelling fans. It, the other thing that, that the, 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 if they were doing it that way, that they could take into consideration. Was have games on a Friday night, but have Mansfield against Bradford on a Friday night. So it's it's not like Carlisle against Leighton Orient on a Friday night, which means it's going to impact fans. Have localized games on a Friday night and and work with the fans so that more games are on TV and it doesn't really affect the travelling fans. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that as well, um, Lucas. What are your thoughts on it, mate? Yeah, I agree. I mean. I think, especially at this point in the season, you know, I, I quite like to see, like Saturday, for example, I'd want to see some of the games being played, obviously, while we're at our game, so we can see what's going off, see how other teams are playing, and just bits and bobs like that. I get sick of not being able to watch it. Yeah, and I think you're right, like a, a bit of a later kickoff as well, maybe. One League Two team gets maybe a dinner time kickoff. One gets a later kickoff. You know things like that. And football is about the fans, but it's, it's whether or not the fans would go. Um, 
Adrian, what are your thoughts on like moving game times and days and stuff like that? I think I share exactly the same views as you guys uh, have previously. I think uh, in the Premier League, especially, you, you see one game start at half past half past twelve, and then you'll have a couple at three o'clock, and one at half past five, and then you'll have a couple of Sunday games. So, I think it's important for for fans of other teams, especially in in our league, where the the exposure and the coverage from Sky, which is absolutely shocking, mad. It's just, it's just simply not good enough um, from from Sky and the EFL, uh, especially when they when they've bought the coverage for for the EFL. You'll have like like's been said, you'll have a, a mid-table Premier League team playing a bottom bottom of the table side, and you just feel like, what's the point where you could see um, where you could see one of the one of the top seven, like the two top seven teams in in League Two or even in League One play. So, I think. There needs to be a lot more exposure in in League Two, uh, especially on TV. But um, until that's sorted, I don't think Sky are going to do anything about it. Yeah, um, I I feel the same, Lucas. You've got your hand up, mate. Yeah, I just think as well, like even maybe to stop us interfering with the championship and things, we could always make it later than half five because I know sometimes. Um, the championship they get I know obviously it's the championship but they get a lunch time they get a half five and then I'm sure they get a half seven as well so I just think that maybe they should just show half twelve half five sometimes they do half twelve one and half five so they're they get three most weeks you know maybe they should take one of them off and even if they did what maybe half twelve championship a League One for one o'clock and a half five for a League Two, you know, and then you could just alternate the teams that play at certain times. Yeah, I mean, that sounds fair enough, doesn't it? You know, break it out, spread it up a bit. Jay, what are your thoughts on it, mate? Um, it's the Sky coverage is dire, but I think they're, they're going to do it based on which get the most revenue. I think they've looked at it and a lot more people will sit on the sofa and watch a Prem game instead of a League 2 because they'll think it's shit. So they just don't cover it because people think it will be bad, it will be bad football and they won't enjoy it. But do you think people will think it's shit because they've not been given the exposure to yeah. view it? They, they've not, they've not that... been given the yeah, go on. watch. They've not been watched enough so nobody can judge but people are assuming it's League 2 football it's not going to be very good quality so it's just yeah I get I get where you're coming from mate and you're right I think without that exposure you need to you need to almost publicise it like Sky have really pushed and publicised the WSL and I think League 1 and League 2 will probably need that same little bit of a push to introduce people to it. Um, H, have you got anything to add to it? It's not there. Uh, lower League, look, you've got your hand up. What are your thoughts on it, mate? Um, just, first of all, on that on that point there, I don't think it's all to do with revenue because the games are sort of pay-per-view. You know, you pay your subscription regardless. And I personally believe that football fans will watch football regardless of who's playing. 
um, during lockdown when when football was cancelled, I watched the Ukrainian Premier League, and it was some of the worst <laughs> football ever. Genuine to the point where I I, uh, I followed FC Neyman Grodno, um, and they invited me over after lockdown, but we haven't gone, and Neyman's been the only region of uh, Ukraine to let the Russians in, so I don't think I'll be going. Um, but yeah, like football fans will watch football for the sake of football. What I will say is, I'm watching Sky right now. Sky have an Sky have a Sky Sports F1 channel. That is literally for a, a, an event that happens once every two weeks when the season's on. Like they could quite easily have a Sky Sports EFL channel that shows games three, four times a week. There's there's no reason that they they can't. They just we don't kick up enough of a fuss. Not the fans because we do, but our clubs don't. Mm. Our clubs allow it to happen because there's this thing of we'll lose the Premier League money. But do you know what? If we lose the Premier League money, so be it. If we all lose it, then we all lose it. It's an, it's a level playing field. You know, we all get the same money. If we all lose that same money, I know that obviously some club, clubs will struggle and we need to find ways to make that up. But we can't just continually be bent over by Premier League sides threatening to pull money. And that's what it is. That's the reasons why we don't get better exposure because there's this thing of the Premier League it's the main league that's what they're going to show and Premier League clubs have threatened to pull money previously when we've tried to do things what I will say is on the the moving of games everyone obviously was so against like 1pm kickoffs this year when they spoke about doing it for uh, like saving on electricity I think it was wasn't it um, yeah. I we've had two two games at home I think this season at 1 o'clock that was Hartlepool and Grimsby both moved for police advice. I I thought it was fantastic. Like I, I left the game and I was like, oh, I get to go and watch another game now. And it was like it's early afternoon. I've got rest of the day ahead of me. Like I really enjoyed those games being at the time they were, and I didn't find any people really complaining. And we still had eighteen thousand people at both. In fact, I think we had nineteen thousand nearly at Grimsby. Like it didn't affect the attendances like people claimed it would. People in this country don't like change, and football fans are kind of the worst example for it. But we've we've kind of got to accept that games will move if we want to get that exposure. If we're dead against games moving from three o'clock on a Saturday, then they're never going to show us. Yeah, and I, th- I think you're right in one respect. I think I might be wrong, and I might have to bring it up, but I think our attendance dropped a little bit, so they decided not to do it. But the games that we've done at home on a Friday night... Our attendance has actually gone up, so it shows that people are more receptive in our area for our team for a Friday night game. Um, do you not yeah, think, though, Russell, just, just when you said your attendance dropped, do you not think that people did that out of spite to prove a point? Because they knew it was a test game, they stayed away knowing that the club would go, oh, well, we've, our attendance has dropped, so we're then going to not do it. Like they w- If the club had gone, yes, we're going to do it, they'd have come back. I do feel that people stayed away on purpose to prove a point there. Yeah, I think I think some people did, but on the other hand, I think there's a lot of Mansfield have quite a lot of kids that play football, like like most teams, and I think that a lot of them are parents, and a lot of them play in like our league, which is a YEL. So you have to travel to here, there, and everywhere. And I, I think genuinely, a Saturday morning, a lot of people tend to do that with the kids, so they struggle to get back for the kickoff time. Not all of them, but I think that's probably your most reason. And that was the most reason I saw people moaning about that time of the kickoff that it was the fact that kids play football and they couldn't get back for it. 
So I think for me, I think that was probably one of the main reasons. But I think you're right in one case. Some people might not have gone because of the time and they didn't want it to work. I guess it's one of them things we never know and you can only go off like your forums and your Facebooks and all that. So I think it's one of them. But I think we've pretty much boxed off Sky. They've been slagged off to death. Referees have been done. So while we're, while we're all having a happy rant about things, we might as well get we might as well get the game last night out of the way. Lucas, your thoughts? Wank. <laughs> Mr. Any, Mr. Positivity. Any, yeah. Anything <laughs> else? Come on then. So you said it's wank, right? Good for you. That's your opinion. Tell us why it was so wank. What made it so wank for you last night? Just everything. We were just so slow all night. I mean, <clears throat> I was talking at half-time. You know, I think it was the second goal when they hit the post and followed it in. It was the same with the, the penalty at Grimsby. We don't learn. Why aren't we following the ball in? You know, too many heavy touches in defence. I just... No, I just... I couldn't go with last night. And I will say one thing on your analysis of last night. Nigel said the same thing in his interview, that we are static when that ball comes back off the post. And we have been, throughout the season, the Grimsby game as well, the penalty, we're static. We're not, we're not alive to the danger sometimes. And I think that's, that's not just last night. That's been a common trend in our season. And it's genuinely something that we, we do need to work at in training or that we do need to look at. If, a, if there's any chance that Christy Pym's saving a penalty or a ball's coming off the post, we need to make sure we're alive to get there and to put us foot through it. And I don't care whether they clear the stadium with it. As long as it don't end up in the back of our net, that's exactly. what we need to do. So, you, you know, you're right in that one, Lucas. And you're right about bringing up Grimsby because it, it was the same again. We're not alive sometimes to the dangers around in and around us box. We're very... I think sometimes Mansfield at the back, we're very pedestrian. We just don't. We don't think about what could happen. We focus on what will happen. Um, so yeah, I'd agree with that, mate. Adrian, mate, I'll bring you in. What were your thoughts on last night? From a resolute defensive display against Stevenage, uh, last night was the complete opposite. I think, um, like Lucas pointed out, too many heavy touches in defence. Um, I don't know what it was, but we just. We just look nervous, in a sense. We we gave them a guard of honour, yeah, fair enough. And then we just kind of let them do their thing. Um, we weren't urgent enough, uh, especially when they de- went down to 10 men, uh, which which I don't think was a red card, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, we just we just look laxy-daisy. Um, but the goal that we scored was good. But then after that, we just let them do their thing. Uh, they defended with the whole team for the rest of the game. And then... They got the, they got a win. They, they deserve a win, and they got the three points, which they which ultimately they don't need. They've gone up as champions anyway, so it's just points that we've dropped and points that we could have gained on the table, which we didn't in a game where we really needed it the most because it was our game in hand. So we could have moved back into the playoff places, but in the end we didn't, and we just uh, we just missed out on another crucial opportunity of of gaining an upper hand on the team around us with, with our game in hand, which ultimately the game, yeah, just ended in disappointment once again. 
Yeah, de- definitely. And I think you're right. I think we did this last season. We focus on these gaming hands and go, yeah, but it's all right. We've got this game in hand. Like, we're guaranteed to win it. The fact is, whenever we seem to get games in hand, we find a way to drop points. And it's a continuing theme. We did it last year. Everyone expected us to be up where Forest Green was with the amount of games we had in hand. And again, we just we conceded silly goals. Um, we dropped points. And um, yeah, it's, it, it is hard. And, you know, if there's one thing to learn from this season and last season, if we get games in hand, then we need to just think, right, well, we haven't won it yet. There is no point going, well, we've got this game in hand, we've got that game in hand, because clearly it doesn't work for us. Um, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we should have played in all that fucking snow. Might have made a bit of difference. But, you know, that's what it is. H, I don't know if you can hear me or unmute yourself, mate, but have you got any thoughts on yesterday's game? So, what were your thoughts, mate? You broke up a little bit. Yeah, and any, like I said to Lucas, any particular reason why that made it shit or genuinely is the bits that you weren't impressed with, not happy I about? I think we just tried. I think we gave them too much respect. You know, with like the, after the, um, is it God of Honour? It just felt as if it, it, we're going to play as if it's like a nice little friendly game. And I think that's what we did. And Orient weren't playing like that. As you could just see, like, the players, I'm not going to name them because I'll probably get some stick myself, but they were really passive and they weren't pressing enough, they weren't aggressive enough at all. So, I'll, I'll be honest, H, because this is a nice little Twitter space where you can give your honest thoughts and opinions. For you, what players do you feel that struggled last night? Ooh, right, uh, Callum Johnson, as much as I like him, I think he tried forcing it to Oates sometimes. And also Oates wasn't good enough either. And it's a bit harsh on Aikens, but I just think it was running after players, but like it wasn't running after them. It was just walking to them almost. And it wasn't like looking as if he was trying to intercept a pass or tackle them or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I understand that. So, I'll, I'll go with this now. And me and Richard have this little bit of banter because he's such a big Boatang fan. I'm a big Aikens fan. I noticed in the first ten minutes, Aikens took a boot to his to his leg or his thigh. He was limping a little bit, shook it off and run. But I genuinely, I am a massive Aikens fan. I think he's such a hard worker. I don't know if he was carrying that injury as a knock and Swan wasn't fit enough to come on or the fact he was just tired. I think we're, I think we're at that stage good. where we're starting to get players back and the players that are playing now are either coming on and have been out for ages and not up to match speed or the players who have played 80, 90 minutes for the last seven or eight weeks sometimes twice a week. And to me, like I said earlier, it did feel a bit like a, a testimonial type vibe for the first 10 minutes. But then when we got that goal, you're thinking, right, switch on, go back to our work against Stevenage, get men behind the ball, just be organised, sit in if we have to, 
and and see it through and and we didn't but I think I think losing Elliot Hewitt massively unsettled everything um I don't think Nigel really knew what to do like I say he put he moved he put Riley Arbottle on at right back moved Callum Johnson to left back um and then the second half he moved Perch out there and within 30 seconds Perch was getting rinsed by their winger every time um that was never going to work so It'll be interesting to see what obviously there's a very slim chance I would think of Hewitt being fit for fit for Saturday. So it'd be interesting one to see what Nigel does and two what everybody else would do because we've now got essentially one fit fullback for for Saturday's game. Yeah, and I, I think that's it. And then you've got to look at you know his Barry fit and that at the minute. We see just when you think you're getting over an injury crisis, somebody else gets injured, somebody else takes a knock. Um, lower league, look, I'll bring you in a minute. I'm just going to get Jay. Jay, what were your thoughts on the game yesterday? I think we were dire. We were sluggish. We were simply not good enough. We A lot of the fans thought, and probably the players thought, um, they're, they're champions, they're just going to give it us. But they didn't. They were, they were up for the fight. And we just we couldn't we couldn't play our football. It's it's another team, all quite rough, and we just couldn't play our football. I think a lot of players didn't get their passes off. Oates was very he couldn't really pass the ball yesterday. Um, with Hewitt coming off, I don't think Nigel had a clue what he was going to do because Hewitt was his centre. What am I on about? Um, I don't know. I'm just. I'm lost for words. I think what one thing that to come out of this that could benefit us in the fact that Leighton Orient are still playing the way they are, and that's with five changes, so they've still got some of the first teamers to come back in, is that their last two games are Stockport and Bradford. So they might have beat us, but they could also potentially help us out massively with the teams that they've got to play in the last two games. Yeah, and and I'd I'd agree with that. Um, I thought Leighton Orient were good last night, and you know, you've got to, you've kind of got to criticise players sometimes without going in on them personally. Um, but genuinely, last night Perch and Kilgore struggled. Um, we are very very slow at the back when somebody has pace, and and we found that out again last night that when we play these teams with pacey forwards. Um, we struggle defensively with them, and I think whether whether we go up or whether we stay in League Two, the one thing we need to address next season is our pace at the back because there isn't any. Um, Riley's got some pace. Um, Harbaugh or, or yeah, you know Harbaugh or Riley, he, he's got some pace. Hewitt Hewitt, we know he's got some pace, but what is he going to be like after his injury? Um, Macca, we we don't know what Macca's coming back as at the minute. Because genuinely, the, that is An three big injuries. No, well, that's it. He's had three big injuries so far this season. Is he going to be fit for pre-season? He's another year older. The bodies took a bigger battering this year. You know, is it? Do we do we keep Maka? We've got Maka for an extra year, so do we keep him and play him as a starter, or or do we look at bringing somebody in and having Maka as supporters in? Um, 
you know, we've we've got a lot of questions whether we go up or down that need answering in the summer. And I'm hoping recruitment wise, we we are more on it this year than we were last year. That even if we get to Wembley, we've got targets. We know who we want, and all this. But I think last night a lot of you have said it was shit. It was wank. It what it wasn't great. Um, it it was a poor performance. If you'd have asked me last night when my arm was hurting and I was cold and pissed off, I'd have probably gone on a massive rant to you and explained everything. But after a sleep, bit of a chill, we didn't play well. We've shown them too much respect. But all in all, having, having watched it back today, we look tired, we look lethargic and we look like a team that genuinely battled on Saturday and I don't think many of the starting 11 are 100% fit, as in not carrying injuries, but just absolutely knackered. I will give a shout-out to Keeler Dunn, though, because he just looks fresh constantly, um, and he wants to get the ball, and he makes things happen. Um, he, he's not probably not the best person you want on a free kick, but realistically, he, he's probably our best player last night. Um I think right, lovely. Needs addressing addressing in summer. Someone who can set. I, I know you can't sign someone specifically for set pieces, but we do. We could do as someone who's got a wicked set piece delivery because I just don't feel that we. The physical presence that we've got in the box, I don't think we. I don't know whether it's due to lack of movement or the balls or whatever, but we just. We do, we don't seem to take advantage from set pieces. Yeah, and, and I'd agree. I mean, nine times out of ten, that's where Maka comes in, isn't it? You know when we're getting a free kick in that, that area, that, that nine times out of ten, that's Maka. Since we've lost Maka, I think we've genuinely struggled to find someone who can hit a free kick like Maka. Um, lower league, look, you've got your hands up, mate. I know you watched the game as a neutral. What was your thoughts on it last night? I think you shit the bed. Um I, I'll be honest, I think questions need to be asked about how that happened last night because, let me be honest, if if, if Leighton Orient come to us last game of the season, take six first-teamers out of the squad um, and then lose the goalkeeper in the warm-up and end up with a goalkeeper who in six years as a professional has had less than 40 appearances and we lose, then I'll, I'd be asking serious questions as to how on earth we've done that. I think... Like last, I think Jay. It was Jay that said that you, he feels that you guys felt that they were gonna maybe give you the game last night, or not to those words, but similar thing. Like you were, you were kind of in that uh, position where they were gonna be off it because they just won the league and blah blah blah. They kind of did. They, they couldn't have done any more in terms of a team selection. The players are never gonna down tools, but six first teamers out, losing the team of the year goalkeeper in the warm up and. And still coming away with a win. I mean, it just shows what champions do. Like they have been the best team this season. But for me, I'd be asking questions as to why my team put in that performance against essentially what is a half, at least more than half, a reserve side. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's that's a fair question, and um, I'm hoping that you know Saturday against um, a team that we haven't beat. I'm hoping Saturday is the, the game for it. I want to see him come out. I want to see him attack. But it just depends, again, who's fit and who's not. Jay, you've got your hand up, mate. Um, with what Richard said with the set pieces, um, Hartigan was injured. He's a he's a natural set piecer. Maka injured set piecer. 
we've just got nobody at the minute that can put a ball in, and that's where we lack. I think next season, when Hartigan and Macca are back, if we do keep Macca in the squad, I think Hartigan will probably be a regular in the first team. We've got the set pieces back. We've got some height. I think we will be quite good from set pieces next season. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping so. I'm, I'll be honest, um, and I'm not going to credit all our performances down to one player, but I, I genuinely think we missed James Gale last night. We missed that young hunger who wanted wants the ball and battles for it and would normally throw himself in to try and when their goalkeeper got the ball at his feet, we didn't really run at him. James Gale's that type of player that will do that. Um, and I just think we kind of missed his spark. Um, the, the the opportunity that Oates had, and, you know, was quite a tame shot. Last season, the Reese Oates from last year would have probably buried it. I think, again, it's probably Reese Oates isn't 100% fit. And the only reason he's probably starting is because James Gale picked up that injury on a Saturday. So, and, that, and that's Rob, maybe what that's maybe is might what benefit us if we do manage to get into the playoffs. The fact, I mean, you look last night, you've got Reed, Maris, Clark, Oates had just come back. You've got all this Swan. You've just got all these players coming back. If we can get them some minutes over the course of the Harrogate game, and Colchester and make the playoffs then by the time we get into the playoffs we're going to have four or five players who have just come back for injury are fully fit match fit and, and ready to go whereas other teams might be starting to tire a little bit so it might not might just be wishful thinking but it might give us some sort of physical advantage having all them the amount of players that were starting to get come by might just give us that bit of a physical advantage Yeah I'd, I'd, I'd go with that I think um, I think it's a fair point we are as a lot of teams are losing players, um, we're starting to get them back. But like Northampton have had a hell of a lot of injuries as well, but they've still kept ticking over. And on the whole of it, as rubbish as last night was, I think the positives are, like Rich said, the players that have come back from injury got on the pitch last night. I do genuinely think that we were better when Ollie Clark came on the pitch because we decided to play football. The worst thing for me about last night's game was the fact that we kept playing hoof ball. It was, we get the ball at the back and then we just hoof it. We lost possession last night more times by trying to dump a ball forward and chase it. When we played football, we cut them open, but then we just reverted back to it. And the fact that when you're 2-1 down and losing and you need a point, let's not spend it passing between the back four. And, you know, if Stags had attacked and conceded, you'd sit there and go, well, at least we were going for it. But last night, it just, like you said, like a lot of people have said, testimonial, showed them too much respect. It, it wasn't a great game. Um, and and to be honest, our home form this season hasn't been as good as what last season was. What the reason is, I don't know. But it needs. it's hard to pick yourself up after a defeat like that. But... We've got, again, Saturday, we've got to get behind them. You know, we've got two cup finals left. If we don't get in the playoffs, we don't get in the playoffs. And then we see what happens manager-wise, players-wise. Um, and, and then we go again next season. But we need to be behind them no matter what. And I'm sure most people in here will be. But 
genuinely... I think, the, I think the most gutting thing for everyone was last night was, like you said earlier, because everyone's hyped up as this game in hand and we knew that if we were going to have any chance of automatics, we needed to win. Ironically, it probably wouldn't have mattered that much anyway because Stevenage won, so we'd still be four points behind Stevenage and not as close as we would have been had we won and Stevenage had lost. But in terms of playoffs, you could argue it is still potentially in our hands due to a lot of the top, the other four or five teams playing each other. So someone's got to drop points a long way. So if we win both our games, there's a strong likelihood we'll make the playoffs because other teams will drop points playing each other. So it is still in our hands. But like you say, we've got Aragon on Saturday. We've got a terrible record against. So we've we've got to change that on Saturday and make sure we get the three points. Yeah, definitely. And I would, I would say Saturday is probably the biggest game of the season. For the fans, for the players, for the management. For me, Saturday season defining. Anything other than a win, then I don't think we're getting the playoffs. And that's not me being negative. That's just I can't see us losing and still getting in the playoffs on Saturday. So well, just, just to scrape scrape right to the bottom of the barrel of positivity, we could actually lose both our last games and make the playoffs as long as Salford lose their games by more. So, you know. Yeah. Cheers, Joe. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cheers, cheers. See, that's why you're a co-host. Well, I've got lifted the mood of everyone. I just throw them in there. So, while we're on the edge of positivity and scraping the barrel, what do we all think the score's going to be on Saturday then? No, no, or one-one. I don't think we'll win. Right. Cheers, cheers, Jay. Uh, H. Uh. One no one scrape it. Harry Potter. Harry Potter's gonna go with one nil as well. I think we'll scrape it only just. Lucas. We're gonna lose two nil. What a shock. <laughs> Nobody's really confident though, well, are they? Like these two Harrogate have, con- Harrogate have conceded eleven goals in the last six games so they concede goals yeah so we, we can get we conceded three goals. to them in 30 minutes we, we also concede goals and I think we're now at that stage where it's the last two games of the season we are going to have to go for it so I, I, I'm going to go 2-1 or 3-2 right <sighs> okay just, just leave it to me to drag this Twitter space into positivity then Rich um, well, I've just said we're going to win and everyone else is predicting us to get beat. I'm, I'm, I said 1-0. I said 1-0 no win I'm going 3-0 Mansfield. I, th- I think it would be a 3-0 Mansfield and genuinely what will happen is we score early and I don't know why but for some reason I think Stephen Quinn has scored the first goal Saturday. I think Quinn has scored that first goal and it because it's Quinn it will lift the team, the players and the fans and I think, I think as, that starts, it'll happen. I think, as we've said for the last few weeks, it seems to be just an ever-present thing. It's who we can actually get out on the field. Um, so, based on what we know and what we think we know, based on who's available, what would you do in terms of defensively with us only having one fit fullback? What would you do with the left-back situation? Um, I mean, it's... Yeah, what what do you do? I mean, I hope that Bowery's back. That's that's what I'm clinging on to. The hope that 
VAR is back and that, you know, he can slot into a position. And if we're struggling, then we've got Aikens and maybe play Swan from the start. Um, but you, yeah. you're right. That's the problem. None of us know who's injured. I don't know if it's just I don't know if it's just me and my whole left foot balancing, but I would potentially if Ollie Clark is fit enough to start, if Barry would probably be the first choice because he's he's played fullback for a few weeks now. But if he's not fit and and he wasn't on the bench on last night, so there's a good chance he's not going to be. I would potentially look at if he's fit enough starting Ollie Clark and maybe bringing Wallace over to left back just to give us a natural left footer. Yeah, yeah, and and I will point out again. Last night, I think that hurt us. The fact that um, Wallace got that yellow card for a really poxy... Well, he was going to kick a ball. Shot, yeah, but the problem is when you've got someone like Wallace, it's a bit like Ollie Clark. When they get yellow cards, that changes their game. There were tackles last night where if Wallace wasn't booked, he'd have made that tackle because he'd have ran that risk of being booked. But once he, once he got booked for something stupid that ref would have sent him off and we all knew it would have happened. Um, but yeah, so a- actually, the review of that game weren't as mad as I thought it was going to be. So we've done we've done all the reviews, we've previewed the Arrogate game, we've had a guess who's fit and who's not. I'll bring on to the last thing we're going to talk about tonight because time is getting on. It's, it's gone on a while, Rich. Well, it took you plenty of time to get it started, to be fair, so we've got time well, to catch up on. Yeah, to be fair, there is that. So, um, season tickets. So, as some of you are aware, we haven't announced our season ticket prices yet. Uh, There's a few teams in the league that hasn't. Uh, So, I thought I'd ask this question tonight. Um, And genuinely, the question is, uh, and this is to all of you, I know, Luca, some of you don't buy an adult season ticket. um, But I want you to put yourself in an adult's shoes. So, an adult in Ian Greaves pays £325 this season. That's right, isn't it, Rich? I think so. I can't remember what I bought my... So, we say 325 yeah. that's the season yeah. ticket price. So, if there is going to be a cost increase, and, and we say if, in an ideal world, it'd be frozen, but if there's going to be an increase and you're an adult, and I'll start with Jay, how much would you pay to watch Mansfield for a season ticket. If there was an increase or just price in general? Um, if there were if there were an increase. If there was an increase. So if there an increase. I would not go for a lot a lot more. Maybe three three fifty. Like I know like I know how hard people work. My mum works really hard. Like it's it's hard at the minute. Like people don't have the money to buy a £350 season ticket they're trying to pay their energy bills and get food on the table it's not it's too expensive for people at the minute yeah I mean I'd, I'd agree with that Jay and I think it's a valid point uh, Mansfield and, and we all know this isn't isn't the richest area in England um, you know people haven't got the money that they have in cities to go thrown around on season tickets and something like that. And also, let's be honest, when, when we're thinking about season ticket prices, there's a couple of things to bear in mind. One of them is the fact that we've got a lot of fans this season, and I'm sure probably a chunk of them are Forest fans that can't get to watch Forest because they're in the Premier League. 
and they've fair play to them. They still want to watch football. They've come to watch Mansfield. They've invested. They've brought a season ticket, and fair play to them. But the odds are they're going to get relegated pretty much. They, they, they're going to struggle. If they stay up, then brilliant. We won't have this conversation. But realistically, they will probably come down. Once they hit the championship, they will they will not have to give such an away following. They can drop it. So that means more seats for your season ticket holders. So that's one thing to be um, you know, wary about. Um hey, Harry Potter, what would uh, what would you pay if you're an adult? Yeah, I'd probably agree with Jay. I wouldn't go anywhere over three fifty. I think in an ideal world, I think it gets frozen at I'm I'm not sure, but Notts County have released their season ticket prices, and they they don't know whether they're going to be in League Two or in the National League. So, um, they've they've put figures out, and I think I I, I don't know, but I think they're around the three hundred pound mark, something like that. Um, so in an ideal world, I think we keep our season tickets around around the same price, but nothing more than three fifty for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Jay, you've got your hand up, mate. What's your thoughts? Um, just for the county thing, I think my age group, 13 to 17, uh, Stags is £100, I think, and counties were about £48.50. It's just quite a big difference, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is, and it's something that, as as a club, they need they need to get it right because it's for the next generation of fans, um, you know that they're looking at as well. Lucas, how much would you pay? Um, <clears throat> I mean, it depends a lot on the league, but I, I would probably say about three sixty. Yeah, uh, any particular reason or? I just think that a lot of people, obviously, I know that they, this is going into financial bits and bobs, but a lot of people moan about the backing from transfer windows and stuff. So, I don't know, maybe a bit more from season tickets might be the way to go. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Rich, what's your thoughts? Um... Like I said, I can't remember exactly what I paid for mine, but for me, for me personally, I think it would be one of them where if it went up, I would moan about it going up, but I would still pay it whatever it went up by because for me personally, like once you get on a Saturday afternoon or whatever, Tuesday night or whatever, once you get with everyone, it's just that, that I would pay just to be with everyone. I know it sounds a bit cliche or weird or whatever, but Saturdays are Saturdays. That's what gets you through the working week. So, But again, like like others have pointed out, obviously we are in the middle of a recession or whatever they want to call it and, and people are struggling. And, you know, I, I haven't got kids or, or anything like that to, to pay for because obviously I know Jay, obviously his mum's got his season ticket to pay for and that. So other people do find it hard. But for me personally, I think, you know the fan. The, the club's got to be fair with fans and take that into consideration. But I think, for me, I would, I would just pay what they were charging. To be fair, yeah, I think, I think it's probably going to be increased. Um, and and to be honest, I'm half expecting it. Um, I mean, 
I ideally I wouldn't want it to go up by too much and I'm like rich I'll moan but I'll still pay it um, but I think a couple of things I'd like to see if let's say you're making me pay 360 370 to watch Mansfield then I'd appreciate that if the kids and the under 18 season tickets if they were dropped so if they put mine up I would like to see them drop the under 18s and kids one because they're the future and they're what you want to get through the door long after I die there'd be kids wanting to go watch Mansfield however if they get it wrong and price them out then you're going to struggle um, and I think that's the key of getting things right obviously some of you have seen the awards night prices um, so it's it's basically if you had your VAT on it's about £99 £100 uh, for a three-course meal, a little bit of a disco and some awards. When you go to the likes of Peterborough and stuff like that, who's a league above us, you're looking at about £60 per person. Um, it's a lot of money um, for that type of thing. I think £50 would have been fairer. Uh, and just the fact that, again, it, it's about pricing, isn't it, and what you're going through. There would probably be a lot of people that would want to go if it was £50. And um, I think it's something to look at. And hopefully that they've took note and they've looked at the comments on Facebook, on Stagsnet and on here that, you know, your pricing is massively important. And, you know, the end of season awards should be for every fan. It shouldn't be tiered towards people that run companies and stuff like that. There should be the every fan that's there every week, not because a company sponsored one match ball at however much it was. So I think I think that's a big important thing. So I think we've covered that and that's that done. So we're drawing to the end now. Um and it has gone on a lot tonight. So those of you that are still here and those of you stuck by me through all the Twitter mishaps, um thanks for listening and Rich, thanks for running it when it decided to boot me off. Um, but we're gonna end it like this. Rich Got a game on Saturday. Yeah. You've got to do your one to watch. Who is your one to watch? I don't know if I want to do it this week because I picked James Gale last week. He lasted 10 minutes and went off injured. <laughs> not, not wasn't off to the best of starts. He did yeah. score, though. He did score, yeah. So I was I was partly right, but I feel like I've jinxed him now. Um, ooh, it was fit. I will go with. Someone in the middle of the park, maybe someone like Louis Reed or George Maris, someone who's going to play that needs to be brave, get on the ball and, and, and get Mansfield playing from the off. Get get some balls into forwards. Don't be scared. I think that's the biggest thing this weekend. We don't need players hiding and just sort of getting rid of the ball as quick as they can. We need midfield players, the likes of Louis Reed, George Maris, Ollie Clark being brave, getting on the ball, dictating play and... and and getting us on the front foot as soon as possible. So, whichever one of them three starts, I'll I'll go with them ones. Right, that's fine. Decent, good shot, Lucas. I know you put you put your hand up, mate. Was that intentional or did you just knock it? Yeah, you said that this is going to end, but just don't forget a certain thing from a certain young man. Oh no, he's here, mate. He's sat here waiting. Um, he's ready. But yeah, he's he's waiting, mate. I'd already sorted it. He's. Um, He's got over his little meltdown because he can't go on the Xbox. Uh-huh. So, um, right, come on then, Edward, come here. Right, 
Who is your player of the week for the Stevenage game? Davis Keeler done for the Stevenage game. Yeah. Davis. That's his first name. Yeah, but... Okay, Keeler done then. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because I thought he played good. Right. Okay. Decent. And then you've got the uh, the fun task of picking one from last night. Both swan because he came back from injury. Sounds fair. So there you have it. So Edward's two players of the week are who are they? Keller Dunn and Will Swan. So let's hope, you know, another game on Saturday. Genuinely, let's hope we get the three points. We're still in the running. And hopefully, you know, we're all travelling down to Colchester excited in our fancy dress. Um, those of you that no, you know, it's open to everyone. If you want to get dressed up and look a fool with the rest of us, you're more than welcome to. Um, so, yeah, if I see you around Saturday, we're being prized well before the game. Come and say hello. Have a beer with us all. We don't bite, apart from if we're drunk. Um, again, thank you for sticking with me for all these problems and issues and all that. Appreciate you listening. Um, take care, and I will see you next Wednesday at 7. See you later. Yeah, bye. Yeah.